0: Kent Online News.
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott.
0: It's Friday the 31st of May. Coming up, Brexit Secretary visits Kent to discuss preparations for
1: no deal. is absolutely central. Uh, It is the key port. All the volumes here uh, show its significance.
0: Marine conservation areas set up to
2: protect wildlife. This is an important step forward. It sets us on a journey towards completing the network and returning our seas to life once again.
0: And school run by Gillingham Football Club rated good by inspectors.
3: When our fans and stakeholders read the report Uh, They'll see it's it's an excellent report. We're very very pleased.
0: Kent Online News. The Brexit Secretary has been in Dover to check up on preparations for a no-deal departure from the EU. Stephen Barclay has confirmed the steel barrier and 50 mile per hour speed limit on the London-bound carriageway of the M20 will stay in place until an agreement is reached. Here he is chatting to Harry.
1: Well, I'm very aware of the frustration for local people on that, Uh, and it is there for a reason, and that's what. In the resilience so that if we do need to scale up as part of our new planning we have that contingency in place. Now obviously the best way to move forward is to get a deal through Parliament. Part of the issue is that Parliament has consistently voted against everything. It's voted against a deal three times, it's voted against no deal, it's voted against a second referendum, it's voted against a customs union. So the key issue is for Parliament to actually make a decision for us to move forward with a deal. That is the best way to then get some of these evidence out of the way. But it is important in the meantime that we maintain our preparation for no deal because no one wants your viewers in Kent to be suffering uh, disruption uh, if we get to that point uh, and we haven't done everything to prepare.
4: Where does Dover rank on your priorities? In these Brexit
1: negotiations? Well, Dover is absolutely central. Uh, it is the key port. It, all the volumes here uh, show its significance. And not just significant to the United Kingdom, it's also important, uh, for example, in terms of Irish exports. Uh, so, for other EU member states, if you look at the number of EU hauliers that use the UK roads, if you look at the suppliers from Europe and the 27 who actually are trading with the UK. So, it's a it huge significance to the UK, but it's actually of huge significance to the EU. 27, And that's why it's important we get the preparation right. It's my view that we should leave with a deal and leave in an orderly fashion. But if we can't leave with a deal, then we need to prepare for the possibility of no deal because that risk is there. Uh, and I've been talking to businesses, to hauliers, to the Port of Dover authorities, uh, to the Border Force as part of the preparation. A huge amount of work went in ahead of March. But what it's important we do is we look at that, uh, we build on it, uh, we strengthen it further so that if we were in a situation at the end of October where there wasn't an extension and we left without a deal we have done everything we can to prepare. A huge amount of work has been done as you say, Uh, it was done in the run up to March but it's important that we refresh that, we build on it because some of the challenges are different in October, you have the run up to Christmas, that's a different time, has different issues in terms of suppliers to the March period. So there's different challenges with a potential exit in October to March. There's lessons we can take from where we were in March, which we can strengthen, but also part of this is what third parties do, because yes, government can do a huge amount to prepare, but actually what businesses do, what other member states do, is also of critical importance. And what's very helpful for me uh, in, again, getting an update on the state of play in Dover, is as part of my conversation with European leaders, uh, exploring why it's in both sides' interests to have the free flow of goods through Kent Online reports.
0: A man who sexually assaulted another man while he was having a seizure in an alleyway in Stroud has been jailed for more than three years. Sean Rye admitted attacking the vulnerable victim off Cromer Road after spending the day drinking last month. The 34-year-old from Sheerness tried to run away from police when they arrested him a few days later. A man's appeared in court and denied attempted murder following a stabbing in Canterbury. The victim, who's in his forties, was rushed to hospital after being attacked in a car in Hever Place last month. Ilia Descadge, who's 38 and from Frencham close in the city, has been remanded in custody and is due to go on trial in October. The government's introducing dozens of new protected areas in the waters around England's coastline, including some in Kent. Described as the UK's Blue Belt, the 41 additional marine conservation zones will cover Goodwin Sands off Deal and Swanscombe. It's hoped it will help support seabirds, fish, ducks and basking sharks. Environment Minister Therese Coffey has been
4: telling us more. Well, what we're trying to do is to make sure that our marine environment is better protected in its own right for the animals and the uh, food sources that are there. So it varies around the country on what we'll be doing and trying to make sure that they are better enhanced for the future. I think some of the features also, uh, the, the, for example, in Studland Bay, where we're trying to protect seahorses by making sure that the seagrass meadows um, are preserved, that in itself will also be a natural carbon sink. So it's a way that we can make sure that our marine environment, which is often being overlooked, uh, can make sure that that's better for the future, but also plays into the climate too. We already have a site off Lundy uh, where we uh, don't allow any activity at the moment. But the purpose of the marine conservation zones is getting that balance right. It's you know We've designated today a further area which is eight times the size of Greater London and where you can have a mixture of activities but also some restrictions on activities that may be needed in order to make sure that the marine environment is enhanced. So we are already acting in different ways with this really is helping our Blue Belt around the country. Uh, we're now in a situation where we have 91 zones in the English uh, and uh, Northern Irish waters, uh, but also making sure that we work alongside our colleagues in Scotland and the Welsh governments too. The news has been
0: welcomed by Nature Groups. Lisa Beatty from the Wildlife Trust told us how she feels
2: about it. Delighted. The Wildlife Trust and our supporters have been calling for a network of marine protected areas to be put in place since 2009. So we are simply over that 41 are going to be designated today. It will make a huge difference. We've got submerged sandbanks, we've got underwater canyons, crabs, lobsters, two species of uh, native seahorse in these waters. And we've got a chance now to nurse our seas back to life if appropriate management is put in place. Only a couple of weeks ago, government reported that we were failing to meet good environmental status. Our seas are in crisis, but the network of marine protected areas that has been put in place really provides us with an opportunity for the government to stand by its commitment to leave the environment in a better place in which we found it. It's important that the most damaging activities—bottom toe trawling and dredging for scallops and longuistines—are banned. Um, if these areas aren't going to be more than paper parks, there is always still more to be done, but this is an important step forward. It sets us on a journey towards completing the network and returning our seas to life once again.
0: Kent Online News. A mum of two who stabbed her former partner after he refused to leave her home in Maidstone has avoided being sent straight to jail. Jasmine Collins used a kitchen knife to attack him as he lay on her bed in January after an evening of drinking and taking drugs. The 27-year-old from Bell Road has been given a suspended prison sentence, ordered to attend rehab and do 100 hours of unpaid work. A man who threatened another man with a machete outside a sitting-born pub in a row over money for a taxi has been jailed. James Hilden also deliberately drove into five vehicles after visiting the victim's home in October last year. The 54-year-old who hasn't got a permanent address has been locked up for 18 months. A search is underway for a vandal who sprayed a tag on equipment at a number of play areas in Ashford. The word aggro has been graffitied on an outdoor gym at Great Chart playing Fields. It's also been spotted on a slide, as well as on the former youth shelter at the Oast Play Park. Councilors say they've had enough of having to repair the damage. Now a year after it was told it required improvement, a school run by Gillingham Football Club has been rated good by inspectors. The GFC school teaches around 30 pupils. Most have been or are at risk of being excluded from other schools elsewhere, there was a complete change in staff at the facility last summer with new management and teachers brought in. Agile's reporter Luke Cordell has been chatting to club chairman Paul Scally.
3: Tell me a bit more about the school then, for starters, if that's all right. Um, it's gone from needs improvement to good, I believe. Well, t- yeah, twice it had two uh, Ofsted require improvements uh, under the previous management and regime, and uh, as you know, in the summer last year we thought we were going to close it because I didn't want to continue. Uh, on that basis, yep. um, but we accepted the resignation of the previous staff. We appointed a new board of governors, uh, brought in a head of edu- a director of education and a new structure. And I'm pleased to say that under with tremendous work from the staff over the last two terms, we had the the uh, the Ofsted, which is a uh, Ofsted never announced they're coming. They give you a few hours' mm-hmm. notice, I think. And we had the Ofsted at the end of April and uh, the result are two outstandings and and two goods, which is an overall good for the school. And uh, yeah, massive for us. Really, really pleased. We got the result yesterday and uh, we're going to distribute that to all the stakeholders throughout the next 24 hours. So very, very pleased. I think it's massive for the club. It shows that the football and education role works very well together, that we have had great success with these youngsters that have come to the, who their, their parents and and carers have given us the, uh, the duty to, to educate, mm-hmm. and um, I think the inspector was highly impressed with what he saw. And if you read, when, when our fans and stakeholders read the report, uh, they'll see it. it's very, it's, a, it's an excellent report. We're very very pleased. I think the last report sort of mentioned the fact that there was the big turnover of staff, and obviously that didn't help things. So. Obviously, recruitment was right, so hopefully that bodes well for.
1: Uh, well, I what think it was it. more
3: than that. I think it was more that we needed a, a, a strong educational structure in place and strong disciplines, mm-hmm. good, poli- uh, good policies, uh, and we've got those in place now. And uh, well, it's reflected in the report. I think the, these inspectors don't give out outstanding uh, or, or good awards if you like if that's the right word yeah. uh, very easily um, but I'm delighted they have and I'm delighted they recognise that that we have a proper structured educational establishment delivering a very strong education to um, children from, from Medway and beyond um, and it's good that we've got now a school of our kind in Medway mm-hmm. uh, because it's Medway children coming to a Medway school which is very important. And it obviously has a knock-on effect for the football club in a positive way financially I suppose does it? Well, it does, but it's not a financial issue. It's about the children. It's about giving them good education. It's about us delivering our community objectives. It's about us engaging with the the community. It's about a relationship between us and Medway Council, where we're helping Medway Council to address a number of issues. And I think, more importantly, what's really pleasing for me is that these children who are coming to our school uh, in a learning environment that is different to the uh, mainstream education, uh, they're actually doing very well, and they're actually enjoying coming to school. And for me, that's a massive plus. I think for everyone, it's a massive plus. Uh, their parents, carers, guardians are happy. Um, and it's good, yeah, I think it bodes well for the future. and I think it's something we can develop. And I think we can expand the school now and deliver even more opportunities for these young children. Do you see it as a bit of a personal achievement, a quest that you took over the school and you've and you put it, steered it in the right direction? Well, of course, I mean, I wouldn't, if I couldn't do it properly, I wouldn't do it. Mm. I think that's always been my um, ethos. Important is that these children have now got a chance to go on and develop. I think we're looking at a post-16 education as well so we can, we can take them from 16 through to 18. And my view is that we will set up an employment type of scenario where we can get them into full-time employment. Um, and these children deserve the same chance as any other child in the world, really. Um, and we're just giving them a little bit of an opportunity here to learn through a different environment, an environment of sport and education. Kent Online reports.
0: Developers hoping to build 4,000 homes on the outskirts of Canterbury say they'll put £7.5 million pounds into making it the most cycle-friendly housing estate in England. The company behind Mountfield Park to the south of the city are planning to give each household an electric bike and hope 13% of journeys to and from the estate will be on two wheels. And finally today the winners have been announced for a children's. Children's Writing Competition to celebrate the 900th anniversary of Leeds Castle near Maidstone. Hundreds of youngsters from all over Britain took part in the challenge. The only requirements were that the story had to include castles and time travel. One of the judges, Gemma Wright, says
5: the competition was extremely popular. We were inundated with entries. We had over 700 um, children took part and uh, we were overwhelmed. We had our entire education department um, sat down in relays and read the through these 700 stories um, I was one of the judges um, and it was a real honor to be uh, involved in the process thankfully I only had to read 40 of the 700 um, but the 40 that, that I was presented with you know myself our chief executive um, and indeed Claire our lead judge um, you know we, we were just staggered by the the quality of the entries and, and what some of the children had, had come up with it was it was incredible a lot of them are focused on Leeds Castle which was great um, some of them look to the park, some of them looked into the future Um, obviously that the winning story is going to be buried in a time capsule here on the 25th of June when Princess Alexandra our patron visits us Um, and the two winning children will be invited to come back and uh, sort of help Princess Alexandra bury this time capsule with their stories inside so um, our youngest entrant was only six years old so if she lives to be 106 she may well be back here where I'm standing now in 100 years time to uh, see her story <laughs> come out of the time capsule. There were
0: two separate categories for children aged 5 to 9 and 10 to 13. The head judge was TV presenter and author Claire Balding, who's written
5: two children's books herself. She told us what she thought of the entries. I'm blown away by their creativity, their originality, their confidence as well to put things down on paper, to just tell you a story the way they see it happening. And I think with so many of them they're Use of language is great, they, they're very different in the way they think and I like that and I wanted to reward the ones that told a good story but also had a sense of naughtiness about it, a bit of an edge, a bit of something that was quirky or funny.
0: And here are the winners, 12-year-old Ella Davy and 8-year-old Theo Nyland. Because it's from Leeds Castle I thought I'd probably do something to do with Leeds Castle and because it's so old then what if it were about someone who'd been there for the whole time? Um, I write some at school but they're not really big stories so this was my first flat like, big story. Well that's it for now but for more news throughout the day you can head to kentonline.co.uk
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.